It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's TDD, NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I carried that on, Daryl. I didn't know yeah, you should really stop good. and pause. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed how you, it. How you doing, brother? At Daryl J. O'Brien. Hey, great. Well, yeah. All good. All good. It's the off-season. How are you feeling your off-season Sundays? I mean, you know, anything going on last weekend? Uh, no, not that I can... Last, last Sunday? Hmm. Yeah, no, I can't really, can't really recall anything that I should have been doing. You? No, not really. All joking aside, we have to talk about one man's absolute dominant performance. Um, you know, yeah, we we can't. I know it's a Packers podcast, and I know, you know, there's mixed emotions about it, but we cannot go by without mentioning the goat. But we're not going to do that right now. We're going to get onto something um, no. completely different and something, Daryl, a little bit somber, I guess. Off yes, the top. it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris Wesley passed yeah. away um, and as well right this is what I would say is is that um, someone put it in the jeez I'm almost coming across emotion now but just someone put it in the Packers group about is it okay to post this and they put up his wife Lakeisha's hmm. post about it um, and I would never be the type that when someone passes away to be like oh he passed away here's a picture of me and him and somehow make it all about me or all about us yeah. or whatever um, but I was kind of torn because I'd spoken to Chris before and I had him on the podcast um, and did a full length podcast with him, got to know him, his background. He came over to Ireland and had a nice bit of rapport. Um, so, you know, he always struck me as a guy who didn't take any BS, which, you know, is the type of guys that me and you are, Daryl, um, in that sense, being Irish, I guess maybe it's, it's a trait. He didn't take any prisoners. He didn't suffer fools kindly, uh, but he always had time for the little guy, you know, like us. And he'd come on and even though he's on that big show, because... You know, you reach out to other people and you see the way that they, they treat you or deal with you. And he was always very gracious about it. You know, had his, you know, text him ahead of the thing and all. He was just such a nice guy. And when someone posted, was it OK to mention it? I was like, well, I kind of want to do put out the podcast again that I had with him because it you kind of get to know him and you get to hear him in all of his glory, too, because, you know, he battled cancer twice. He beat it yeah. once. Um and that second time was just heart wrenching listening to the around the NFL podcast because he just he did not sound well. No, Obviously he wasn't, but you know it just it's it's incredibly sad. And I I have to say, not to get too heavy or to go into it too much or make it about me again, but I did have a little cry. I have to say out on the weekend just yeah. looking at the picture of him no. and his son is just it's too yeah. much. Yeah, I mean leaving leaving behind Lakeisha and young little Lincoln. I mean it's absolutely awful. And being a father of young children, as both of us are, it does yeah. hit home. I think a little bit harder. Um, so our, obviously our condolences go out to Lakeisha and young Link. But there is a GoFundMe page actually. If anyone's interested, Matthew Grieber is organising it on behalf of Lakeisha. Yeah. And uh, at the time we're going to record here, there was two hundred seventeen thousand raised out of what That's their goal incredible. is two hundred fifty thousand. So I'd mm. imagine they're going to they're going to smash that goal. But it's really heartwarming to see them do something like that for Lakeisha and Lincoln um, obviously you know it's not going to fill the hole that poor Chris now Wes is gone but yeah you know our condolences to them all and I mean and look the thing about him is this that I guess we you know we won't you could have the whole podcast to them but I guess we, do, we don't want to sort of upset people too because it's mm. upsetting enough for us but um, the thing about him was is that he was so aware too of just how silly 
his job was. You know, he mm. always spoke about the existential meaning behind being a sports broadcaster and how inherently pointless it really is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was just brilliant to see him that he was this guy who had sort of a very country vibe about him, you know, but he was a very deep mind and also an in-depth knowledge of the Packers too, which is why... Yeah. He was on the podcast to begin with because yeah. he always, I think, I don't know whether he had a personal interest in them or whether he was just assigned the Packers games or whatever, but he was he was incredible, you know. And he's and as well as that, it, this will sort of touch home with you. Uh, he was in the legal profession before he found his way into NFL journalism. So he was sitting in a law office. Um, I, I don't want to quote what his job was just in case I get it wrong, but um, and he was writing fantasy football blog posts and they were like 10,000 words long. And it was effectively like a, a thesis on it. And that's why he went over uh, and crossed worlds. But yeah. I guess he had that sort of worldly view. And that's the only reason I put out the podcast. Um, not to be like, oh, look at my friend I knew. It's, you know, it's just, I thought it was a nice little way. Because I went back and listened to it before I put it out. And then when someone said, oh, can I post it? I was like, well, it's my duty now to say, hey, you know, he did touch our lives or whatever. Yeah, um, but anyway, I, and it's, nice, it's nice to hear his voice as well in happier times. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, before it came back. So, yeah, yeah, awful. Um, life and its meaning. But how, God, how do you even move on from there? I guess we're. Let's get into a good news for the Packers. I guess and one yeah. that isn't so controversial It's the MVP for Aaron Rodgers, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, not a surprise. <laughs> like so no. something. Here's a question. But, um, uh, Here's a question for you off the bat. Right? Before I before I before I get into how surprised I was at one throwaway comment he made. But anyway, oh, oh Jesus, on. we never spoke about this in pre-production. I'm staring at you now sideways, or seeing what's going on. But come here. Yeah, what struck me was is that he was on the Pat McAfee show and it got really really famous. And Pat McAfee kept plugging that he's going to MVP. Aaron Rodgers kept talking about how he was going to MVP. Do you think there was any element that they put it out? Now his numbers speak for themselves. Don't get me wrong, but you know there's many different ways to skin a cat and look at stats. I don't think that's a phrase, but we can add that on. Like do you it. think there's anything to do with that sort of self-promotion in the media that kind of tilted stuff and made I people think, see it? As I know. Mm. I think people accepted it when he did it. Yeah. And in other words, no one went, well, he's clearly not MVP because he clearly yeah. was. I think what happens is, and he spoke about this small bit as well, he sort of said, you know, good good intentions becoming fact. You know, if you believe it, you can go and do it. And he did talk about that. And I think he, he alluded to as well a lot about, you know, climbing Machu Picchu that time to clear his head. Mm. And I think he had that kind of a moment that I think we all need every now and again when you actually step away from your job completely and you, you sort of reassess and you say, right, what do I want to achieve in the next year? And I know it sounds corny, but in the sports world, you do box off seasons and you say to yourself well if I had a goal this season what would that be and clearly he's a very driven guy he had MVP I suppose the way he looks at it is if I win MVP it means our team is doing well mm. because no no player can be better than the, than the team right apart from we, we might hark back to what happened there on Sunday about one particular guy um, that was yeah. probably better probably probably by himself the best yeah I mean there's anyway. there's discussion there for, for sure you know something that no one has ever done before or certainly you know reach those heights but before we yeah, get I mean, there before we hang on yeah we're, we're, we're jumping ahead we're jumping ahead but you know getting back to A-Rod I think that's I think he said that to himself if he set out I'm going to be MVP it means the team has to be trucking along nicely mm. the chances of I have got MVP we're going to do quite well this season and you know when when the pain subsides completely and we do look back at this season we're going to I mean I, I was quite satisfied the way they played when they played well I'm not satisfied when they didn't play well but that's obviously for um, the next discussion I think we'll get into on, on the, the, the defensive coach as to how he can make us better or not as the case may be yeah. but I mean you look at uh, look at Aaron Rodgers now he's the sixth player to win at least three Peyton Manning with five 
Although I was reading, it's really funny. I was only just refreshing it when I was uh, reading up on it again. That, you know, this in its various forms, it's been called lots of things, obviously, over the decades as opposed to MVP. But it started only in 1957. But it's funny that no one quite knows who won the first one because of the dodgy record keeping between, you know, the, the Associated Press and the NFL. So there's a little bit of, you know, it's amazing because it's only 1957. It's not 1957 BC here. Yeah, yeah. So it's very funny to think that, you know, we don't quite know exactly what happened in the midst of time, you know couple of decades ago but anyway, that's what's so uh, but do you know what though that that's something that's fascinating man i know we call ourselves title down and it's you know trademarked and it's it's in yeah. the history books but an awful lot of people see before the merger it, it doesn't matter they don't care you know yeah. and they because of the sort of shiftiness with the records and it's scandalous as well that the first super bowl tapes were taped over in large part because <laughs> oh, tape yeah. was expensive and as well as that yeah. like jerry kramer talks about a lot in his book to say you know uh uh uh, it sort of blows my mind a bit because I look at the Don Hudson and mm-hmm. how much he was paid and back then and just how colossal that was versus the image of even up to Kramer's time in the 60s where he speaks about you know going into the profession wasn't a very honourable one now I read it in the book or he said it in person there was one one of them because we were lucky enough to get to meet him um, which is just amazing to think that it just they look at it and you're just like yeah you're a dumb dumb you know you're an idiot for for going into that sport it's not a respectable sport see ya. and it was always kind of seen as kind of yeah. an amateur thing um, which is bonkers so they didn't even have like you know these I love that as well is that he would be the sack leader had they bothered to keep track of sacks, you know, and you're kind of thinking like yeah. he actually has 7,000 sacks, but no one counted them at the no time. So yeah, we yeah. just think that's the way it is. But it wasn't a surprise, MVP. He definitely deserved it. But what was the throwaway uh, comment? I, I think I know which one you're talking about, but go on. I think we have to spend the rest of the podcast on it if it is what I think it is. Well, I'm talking about his engagement. <laughs> yeah, let's, I mean, let's delve into the person. Am I the only fangirl? Am I the mm. only fangirl that was like, uh, I saw a really good tweet going, I, I think the girl's name is Shailene Woodley. I think it she's is. an actress. She right? is. But what I think is funny, what I think is funny, one of the tweets I saw was, I found out that Aaron Rodgers was engaged to Shailene Woodley the same day I found out he was dating Shailene Woodley. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty nice. He kept that under the radar. Oh, people are moving uh, quick. But there you are. I'll tell yeah, you what, I've got receipts and I never like to put stuff out that's detrimental to the team or make the fan, li- fan um, base look like a bunch of arses, right? But it was so, f- I had to do it. I, I haven't done it yet, but I will. Um, I mark my words on this. I screenshotted something and it was only when I was going back looking at baby pics, I think, or we were try- I was trying to get a montage video together to show the kids what they looked like when they were one. And mm. I came across a screenshot of a, from a Facebook post. It's amazing what you find. And it was from some woman saying, no wonder the Packers are doing bad is because Aaron Rodgers is living in sin. Ah! And it says, oh. like, why doesn't he get engaged to that woman? I think they were talking about Olivia Munn. Uh, why doesn't oh. he get engaged and make an honest woman out of, of her? He's living and God is looking down. He's going to smite him and all this type of stuff. And I was going to put that out then when he got engaged and go, well, this is clearly the reason. This is what he saw on the tape in 2010. You know that thing where he keeps saying, I saw something on the tape. Maybe it was like... Yeah, I realised I was engaged back then and I decided yeah, to get engaged and that's saw, what... You saw God um, getting ready to smite him? Well, here's my opinion, right? Um, I never like talking about, and I always say it in jest when they talk about like his family and his relationships and all this type of stuff and just to sort of put out, right? But what I will say is, is he made the decision to talk about his relationship. So people are going to talk about it, unfortunately. Am I interested? No. You know, are you interested? Nah, not no, not particularly, right? No, but what I what I did like about it was is he did it in a very Rogers way. He mm. just basically used it as a throwaway comment. In other words, 
this is throwing into the milieu of what makes up me, but it's none of your goddamn business. I'm just throwing it out there because, yeah. uh, you know, I want to I want to say it. It's like if someone says, I have a wife or mm. I have a partner or I have, you know, it's just saying it. It's a matter of fact. So I yeah. think he threw it in there in the middle of an awful lot of stuff. Let's face it. And a lot of people picked on that one and went, what? Hang on a minute. Oh, but he knows, uh, but though. It, he yeah. knows for oh, well. Because no. that's the thing. I mean, look at the Pat McAfee show. He'd say something and then he'd come back on. And he has said before is he treats the press with something like glorious indifference it's something kind of like they can say what they want to say the thing is athletes always complain about the invasion into their private life and i think if he was able to keep it quiet till now there was rumors of course uh, but if he was able to keep it quiet till now and he decides to put that out there to me and not to get too hello magazine about it there must be an impending wedding or i wonder is it something in their relationship that was kind of like well you know you can say it now because the season's over and he's done so well yeah. maybe it's kind of to yeah, cap yeah. that off or something um, but to me it's a massive who cares but of course they're going to get all the you know the usual um, arseholic behaviour of trying to blame her if he does wrong while ignoring the impact that she could yeah. have potentially had this you, yeah. you know it's kind of this whole because uh, I see an awful lot of it with the Joe Barry debate which we're, I know we're going to yeah. get to now yeah, we're gonna get to, yeah. um, I don't think we'll talk about Sunday and the uh, you know, the performance that slapped everybody in the face, really. They didn't expect it to go as it went, um, including me. I did not see that coming. Um, no. I definitely would have placed a bet on it uh, if I did. But just the performance and, you know, just the pressure on the field to, to try get to him. And yeah. still he I was mean, able they, to they find struggled. his way into the they end zone. He struggled and he still mm. managed it, yeah. He still, still found it, his so. way into the end zone. Well, put it this way, the Chiefs couldn't. Chiefs couldn't do it and he no. could. And he could. I mean, uh, yeah. But look, we, we'll leave the GOAT talk there for we'll a sec. It, go from yep. Aaron Rodgers' GOAT to that GOAT onto something else. Joe Barry. Um, yeah. A lot of... A oh, lot of he, has he played... I, I, has he coached any games for the Packers yet? Because according to online, he's shite. I mean, is that what... No, no. He's already ruined. He's ruined oh, he's Packers ruined. forever. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As as a franchise goes, mm. we're dead and buried. Um, 100%. Titletown is no more. Man, um, the so, internet is just a toilet uh, bowl, but go on. What, like, are you, you, what you, do you see? I don't know, actually. And this is, he's, it's the most interesting one for me because he's obviously the one with the most experience. And yeah. I'll park that because that may not be a positive. So we'll park that for a second. Mm. But he's spent the last four seasons with the Rams. He is 50. Again, I'm not being ageist here, but if you look at sort of, look at the people I think that were in the running that we know of. You've got Jim Leonard with Wisconsin. You've got the Ram safety, Ajiro Evero. What a name. Ajiro, yeah. I think that's the most fantastic name I've read all week. And then the Washington's defensive backs coach, Chris um, Harris. But if you look at all this, is does Joe Barry hit you immediately? I and mean, we, we've spoken about this a few times, so I think we're on safe ground to say it, that we basically say, well, you know, LeFleur has put lots of up-and-coming guys around mm. him in his dressing room, and he wants these guys to think the same way. Yeah. And people initially said, does Joe Barry fit that? And again, let's park that. I'll get back to it. So if you look at, I mean, he's been the defensive coordinator with Detroit and Washington, but the 15 of his 20 years, he's been a linebacker's coach. One of the things that keeps coming out about him and everything I've read so far is that loyalty. They mm. keep saying about how he's loyal to players and staff. And I think that's important for what we'll get back to. So a couple of things. He's been he's been looked over the last few seasons. You know, in other words, for, for senior jobs, he hasn't nailed them down. There's an argument that a lot of people out there, especially even in the Packers dressing room right now, are probably better placed than him because they know what LaFleur wants. Mm. Uh, granted, they played under Petten, but they know what LaFleur wants. But apparently the big thing that came out of all these interviews was that he really he drilled them all on what they know about the Fangio Staley system. And it's obviously one the floor and McVeigh rate 
Um, so I think that's something that that's quite telling. Mm. One of the other rumors that's coming out is this that he was a comfort hire because basically Leonard apparently got offered the job and turned it down. But let's again park that Leonard's not in place now. So what do I think about this? Well, he's been tried and tested, and he hasn't been extremely very. He, like his record hasn't been stellar. Mm. But leaving that aside. If he's allowed to put in place this Fangio Staley system that Lafleur obviously likes, Lafleur knows him. If he is as loyal to players and staff is very important. If he is as loyal, and in other words, and this is what I think we were getting at last week, and we spoke about this, Lafleur wants someone who'll do what they're told, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just mean he wants someone that'll say, "This is the system we want to play. Are you on board with this?" And I think Barry is. Barry is absolutely on board with that system. And I mean, if, I think you can you can probably take us in through the actual Fangio Staley system itself but we're going to see lots of combination zones we're going to see lots of pre-snap disguises I think and this is what yep. Lafleur wants I think key to what we said last week as well Lafleur wants them to use who's in the dressing room and I think who he has in the dressing room will probably lend itself quite easy to this new system so there are my thoughts yeah. on it it could go either way though he could either be extremely good mm. or he could be a, he could be a, a washout do you know what it's probably a mixture of all uh, when you mm. look at it right so if you gave the job to Jim Leonard uh, it's weird though it's weird that they keep putting out there because there's that one report I think it's Tom Silverstein Silverstein um, you know his career with Ramstein is uh, also Great band. on his CV yeah uh, he's the guy at the back long hair so yeah. he um, you know lots top. of fire <laughs> so much fire and a bit of German a few, few, few tattoos yeah so <laughs> get now uh, yeah um, nine so what time is it nine so um when, you know, that report came out from him and said that he's after this Vic Fangio, Staley-style uh, Tampa 2 defence yeah. that they got ultimately from Tony Dungy back in the day. Um, we've seen an awful lot of people trying to run it. Right, let's take that on its face, I guess, because if he's released an article, you'd have to imagine he has some sources. Now, that's kind of dodgy, but he's a reputable journalist. I can't imagine. Yeah, this yeah. isn't the type of guy who makes stuff up, right? No, no. Um, so basically, so first off, let's clear up what the hell are they talking about when they talk about Tampa 2 defence. So it's basically cover two um, with the inside linebacker drops back into coverage is effectively what it is. So it's two deep safeties and then you have to have a really dynamic linebacker. That's my first problem when it comes to the Packers defence. We are like massively inept um, at linebacker at the minute. We're very light on the ground. We don't have that sort of linchpin linebacker to do that Fangio system. So mm. to me, that not only tells me, if that's true, that not only tells me uh, what direction the defense is going to go in, but also in the type of draft that is going to be coming yeah. up or free agency, right? Uh, Christian yeah. Kirksey is on the chopping block. He's not that player anyway, but he's on the chopping block, um, you know, based on his salary and stuff like that. So that's what that tells me. So again, what's cover two is simply just two deep safeties and then you keep everything else in front of you and then you want those safeties to come uh, you know quickly downhill if it's a it's a run play or whatever um, and the linebacker as well has to be really mobile and dynamic now this is why I think the Joe Barry hire actually makes sense because if you look at the system that the Packers have at the minute it was that pre-snap disguise. Um, it was very, it was simple defense disguised as a complex defense or something else, which is what that Tampa two mm. um, style defense is all about. So you can look up many examples where, um, you know, the safeties come nearly stack the box and everybody's up there. It looks like they're defending a run, and then everybody drops back on the snap of the play. And it's something that the Rams run um, and they love, and it's the stuff that confuses quarterbacks because. You know, there's certain areas with the Tampa 2 defense that you can exploit. You know, down the seam, 
um, is one of them. Uh, it's sort of those sort of it's because what you're doing is you're giving the safeties equal responsibility for half the field. So you can pick holes in there if you don't have the personnel to yeah, run yeah, it. Yeah. So that's important too. But with Joe Barry, he's worked under again, there's like a, a one or two coach of separation. Like they say, oh, he hasn't worked on the Fangio, but he's worked on the Staley and Staley worked on their Fangio and all this type of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to it, Jim Leonard, uh, a college coach, I, I don't know, like if he wanted the Fangio Tampa 2 style D, is that the right direction to go? Anyway, he, obviously he yeah. wanted him. He was a talented guy, much heralded. Everybody, it, seemingly it's their pick. But there's an awful lot of sentimentality, I think, with that as well. He's a very good coach, but will it translate to the NFL? Absolutely no one knows. We yeah. see that from Urban Meyer, for God's sake. This is the most winningest yeah. coach, or one of the most winningest coaches ever. And he's coming into the NFL and people are still like, meh, I don't know if it's going to work out. So if that's his stuff, imagine what it's like just on the D coordinator side of things. Yeah. And lastly, what I'll say is, is that, if he wanted the Fangio style, well, then it kind of makes sense that he went with Joe Barry because he has been a defensive yep. coordinator. Now, he's got criticised because he was with the Lions and they stank. He was with Washington and they stank. Um, but that was because uh, they'd no defensive talent in with the Lions and that was known. And uh, there was I read somewhere that he was told not to take the Washington job because it was equally as manky. But he took it anyway because these lads try to grab these opportunities because sometimes it never comes back around. Um, so yep. he took that, shouldn't have taken it. And then he's after... He, we're having this conversation now because he took that job and he shouldn't have taken it. That's exactly yeah, the I point. I think so. And I think, and, and to that point, this could also be seen as his redemption because yeah. what's after happening is he took two jobs he shouldn't, well, arguably he took one he definitely shouldn't have, which was the Washington job because he was, and the reason why he was looked over for those two senior positions was probably people just looking at the stats exactly. and ignoring yeah. the entire pool of what was going on at that time. Yeah. So in a way you could look at this where he's actually putting his hand up and saying, I know I sh he could probably he would probably say yes th that experience has made me a better coach yeah once I've got better things to work with and I've been punished for my previous jobs purely on the basis of people are always rating you know how low down the defensive systems were mm. and apart from the fact that that lines team were, was awful yeah it was just awful but that's why it's very important and I know I hear this stuff about cronyism which to me look like I can hardly stand here and criticise people who dog him uh, when he hasn't played a game and then try praise him when he hasn't played a game but what I do trust in and what, what I can see sense in is that like for instance if you had a tennis career and you had two professional games and they went cack for you but I knew and, and was around you and knew what type of person you were and knew that you were better than those two performances and knew the intricacies be behind all of that well then I would damn sure hire you if I knew that you were a diamond in the rough so you know that conversation about uh, he's yep. the most experienced but he's older so you know is that going to be stale um, but then you look at the other coaches they didn't have defensive coordinator experience and all of this up and coming stuff we're going to talk and very briefly because it's not a whole lot to talk about I don't think no offence but Morris Drayton he's a guy yeah. who's LaFleur even said that he's probably hiring him well before his time so it's yep. not as if LaFleur doesn't do it it's also not as if he doesn't hire uh, black coaches Morris Drayton being one of them Um and also the the other two guys that went for the job, and I, I see people trying to make it about race, um. But Lafleur launched that program for minority coaches yes, that's as true. well, that's and true. and yeah, when the um just f finally then when the when the guy was shot in in Wisconsin and uh, Jacob Blake I think wasn't it and he went yep. and called off practice that day so that that's they right. could all discuss yeah. those issues I mean so yeah. and I mean there was I mean he's an absolute you know he's an absolute stalwart standing up for Black Lives Matter which obviously everyone is interested in doing and being seen to do because it's the right thing to do and so you can't I don't think you can point that at Lafleur, and I no. think it's nonsense to suggest that Lafleur should be basically it's almost positive discrimination that Lafleur shouldn't pick someone he knows and 
and knows well mm. and he should pick a new guy for whatever reason yeah um so that doesn't wear with me the cronyism thing i think is sort of a bit of a non-entity it's a bit of a red herring type argument again and i think the point is and we've made this uh, all season he wants a united dressing room in the same ways he wa- or sorry he wants a united coaching staff in the same ways he wants a united dressing room again we don't know the ins and outs of what went on with petten but if there was any put it this way if there was any sign that LeFleur wanted to go back to the days of old where there could be any miscommunication between him and Petten as to what should be done. Mm. I think Joe Barry is going to highlight this, that they're going to be on the same page from day one. I think that's very important. If the coaching team aren't united and together and heading in one direction, yeah. that's going to lead to fractures in the, in, the, in the coaching staff and players will feed off that. No one wants that either. I think we need a united coaching staff in the same ways we need um, a united playing staff. And the funny thing is, you look at that, LeFleur, whilst we're two, two years in now, he's still building this and yeah. he still wants to push in the direction he wants it to go in so this again it remains to be seen the jury's out we'll have to see them play as that and what joe barry does but it's he's certainly as we say he's a hire that doesn't surprise us it's a hire that makes sense for the floor and i'll tell you why else it makes sense too and it's an important point you raise about needing someone to be on your page right he does need to sit someone down and say you report to me you're grateful i've given you the job and this is the thing that i need to do if you look at um the criticism from the floor and why we lost against san fran defense um, you know, why we lost against the Bucks defense. Now, again, th- th- that's intricate. And you could say, well, it's the yes, offense. Of we got the ball yeah. back and they should have whatever. But like strictly people put that down to, well, their defense really wasn't up to it uh, when yeah. it came to it. It You know, and then that, that play before the half ended, you know, you can literally pick out certain points where it was firmly landed at Petten's feet. Now you have LaFleur who's trying to go back to the NFC Championship game again. Uh, for the third year in a row and he's trying to get to the big show and then uh, the one criticism that everyone has is defence yet they look at the decision and they say oh he's after going for the safe hire and you're like yeah and then they go oh well he didn't give the other open comings a chance you're like yeah because that's his not I wouldn't go as far as to say that his job is on the line but if he keeps hiring um, defensive uh, because this thing he doesn't hire the least experienced and he gets criticised for not taking a chance. And then if he did hire one of those, they'd go, he didn't hire the most experienced. Why didn't he do that? Is he, is he taking a risk? But what I would say is, is that two things to, to cap this off, not unless you have anything else uh, you want to add to it. But number one um, is the fact that every coach that LaFleur has brought in has caught fire. You look at Nathaniel Hackett, he was heavily criticised and people were saying he was trash. Um you know, oh yeah, people are saying he's great, but look, he's done nothing with Tennessee. Um, and then all of a sudden he comes in and he's the one who everyone's trying to hype up that he's the architect behind an awful lot of the success. And second off, the Packers currently run a defensive scheme based on that sort of disguise and pre-snap motion. Um, you know, Savage is a very strong uh, safety candidate to, to for that Savage. for that speed which lends itself to that Tampa 2 um, Tampa 2 is a mixture kind of of zone and man and we have a cornerback now in Jair under Jerry yeah. Gray which is a reason why I think he wasn't promoted to is to keep him doing that job that yeah, he's doing with Jair so. and developing yeah. so which is another reason why Joe Barry by the way could have been left as an assistant head coach by the way which is a big honour that he got with the Rams yeah. so that's not nothing to sniff at and people are saying that that's not sort of a sort of a token uh, title Joe Barry deserved it because that's that's how high he was and also with the linebacker sometimes you can be so good at your job sometimes you kind of yeah, get you're you just indispensable go, yeah you just yeah, say yeah. you stay doing what you're doing because it's so dominant now what I would say is 
we're going to struggle with linebackers and if we're playing that Tampa 2 system it's it's predicated as I say on on a great sort of fierce linebacking core um, we have Jair Alexander who can uh, cover their top receiver and just follow him around the place and that le- lets everybody else sort of take that sort of zonal scheme right but if if we're running mostly DBs in there, what you will probably find is that they'll take someone that's not traditionally a linebacker who's a fast yeah, DB, yeah. they'll yeah. slot him in and say, your assignment in this role is some sort of a linebacker hybrid, which again is kind of what we've seen Green Bay try to do. And maybe they yeah. think with Joe Barry, with the wealth and depth of experience that he has with linebackers, that he will take someone who isn't one and make them yeah. play like one if they're yeah, sort right. of want to institute. But again, I mean, it's an awful lot about misdirection and disguise and all this type of stuff before anyway so it's not just as simple as dropping two lads deep and then you know blitzing forward it's more intricate than that more than probably above airheads anyway but it does make an awful lot of sense Morris Drayton Daryl this is a guy who um, you know Menenga goes uh, not a whole lot of fanfare there and then Drayton gets brought brought in this is more so that they hired him before he's almost ready I think LaFleur said just so that they wouldn't Hmm. lose him because he would get an opportunity elsewhere um, which is positive I guess. Yep. No, I mean, I'm, again, I think that that goes to the point of sometimes you're overlooked for promotion for that very reason because you're so good in the position you're in that they yeah. don't want to promote you because they lose that expertise somewhere else. And I think that's certainly the case here. Yeah. Um, where they, in other words, in the opposite way, they have to take him on before he's ready purely because if they don't, someone else will. Yeah. Well, they said they like these enthusiasm, and sometimes that's what it's a it's about. Obviously, it's yep. about being gap sound and you know, not those brain fart coverage moments. And as well as that, teach J.K. Scott how to tackle if yeah, he's still could, there. We could really, we could really do some of that. Yeah, I don't need any more really videos of, of ridiculing no. that. But look, no. we've put it off for long enough, Daryl. Um, yeah. And we have to talk about to the man of I mean, the hour. You know, it, I, yeah, I mean, I'd rather not, obviously, um, because considering Packers weren't there to witness this yeah. themselves. But... Um, yeah, um, it is kind of uh, upsetting in a way. And I know they were trying to speak to other people and get their opinion of it, but... We have to talk about. Would you short cast MVP? Do you think on Sunday? Yeah, well, I mean, he scored. He got to the end zone. Well, he slid down just before it. The guy who streaked is the yep. MVP of Sunday. MVP. We've put it yeah, off. He for was so the best. Long. He was the most. I mean, I'm sorry to keep you all hanging on because yeah. I know you all want to hear about this guy, but he was a legend. He was electric on the field. He was. He showed a little bit too much flesh. He did. Uh, his colour scheme was a little bit off. The pink mankini uh, I don't was know a much for my How taste. we got that by officials? I mean, we've seen people get fined before for socks of the wrong colour. How he got away with sort of wedging himself on the day. Yeah. Um, so our MVP, the most exciting thing that happened in the Super Bowl was Yuri Andrade. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Doing his streak. Apparently, he got <laughs> 375 grand on a prop bet. Yeah, amazing. And so apparently the cost of bail was a grand. Mm. So he's come out clean 374,000 winner for bearing two cheeks Incredible, uh, yeah. during the Super Bowl. Amazing. Yeah, and we did see uh, some people say that they were disappointed in his performance. They wanted to see sort of more performance up front. But I think, you know, I think we just <laughs> no, got that's enough. enough. Yeah, I yeah. think we got uh, enough on the back end uh, in the secondary, yeah. let's say. Um, yeah. You know, sort of hybrid tight end. But I love the way he was breaking tackles. I think the one mistake yeah. he made, Daryl, to be honest, if I was to be overly critical now of his performance on the day, I think was, is when he got up by the end zone and he had a chance to punch it in. I think yeah. sliding there no, just did. to take yeah. time it was off just the a, it clock. Was a bad, it was a bad mistake. I it mean, was, you know, yeah. it's basically he got a bit of red zone fever. Um, yeah. I think he, he kind of bottled it towards the end. But let's face it, he was the bravest player that the Chiefs had on the pitch that night. Yeah, and the way he drew up the play. I mean, the way he drew up yeah. the play, he had the decoy out there, which was kind of yeah. like, you know, he was doing some read option stuff. 
And yeah, uh, Mahomes could have thrown a ball, which he couldn't. But if he mm. could have thrown a ball that night, um, I have a feeling Yuri would have caught it. Yeah, well, I mean, the fake handoff and then the security yeah. guards went after the decoy and then he broke out onto yeah. the field. I mean, it's just... Let's it's... face it, an absolute load of man arse, though. <laughs> so much man So arse. much arse, yeah. And the tattoo's yeah. very questionable. I mean... Very questionable. You know, I yeah. there's enough. There's a lot to be said about the, the the whole. I don't know. It's it looked like he potentially had something along the lines of Cadillac written down the side of his ribs or something. If you're getting that done, you know. Yeah. You just know, I don't know. There's like a five percent of the listeners have the Cadillac tattoo across their ribs now. So yeah, offended. Going, oh, we've just I've just lost a load of supporters on um, my Russian bots. Although mm. I have to say, my Russian bots are getting a bit questionable. They didn't. Um, they're not really responding to any football related stuff. One of them wants me to tell her if she's beautiful or not. Um, right. She just just keeps like not football related at all. And I'm going like, my, what's this got to do with? Like, yeah, what? not a stat in there at all that you can yeah, properly objectively. Yeah, what are you what are you doing? Someone else wants me to work from home and earn fifty grand a day, um, for my new e-commerce business. Uh, right. So again, I'm not not quite sure. Again, I haven't um, tried to respond to that tweet either. Well, hopefully Daryl stays on the UK Packers podcast and doesn't get drawn away into this pyramid-style uh, scammy scheme yeah. of sending it's off. It's fifty his... grand a day. A day. A day. Oh god! I mean, you, you can't turn. You can't turn <laughs> down an offer. I mean, I did. I have to say, I I didn't check my spam folder for ages in my emails, mm. and there was some really, really very delicious-looking offers I got from Nigerian princes. Oh yeah. Um, which I obviously missed the boat on because I didn't check my spam in a while so mm. I could could be very wealthy man right now but I just didn't take a punt well there you go that's what you get folks um, make sure you check your spam and click on yeah, all links for no, any emails from princes <laughs> offering you free money and we're being sarcastic here don't do it because they'll come back no, and they'll present this podcast don't in court you told me to click the links <laughs> Oh, Tell me to send my, all my money to them oh damn so there we go that's another podcast it was great ambling through that um which, uh, if you want to get Daryl's Russian bot to real person ratio up. Oh, actually, um, we had a question, uh, an yeah. impossible question. Go on. And it's not even about the Packers. It's about something oh. entirely different. And I'm going to launch this on you here now. Juicy. Okay, so this, as I say, this isn't Packer related, but it comes in from Stuart, who listens to the pod. who got a pretty tasty looking signed Jair Alexander jersey too. But anyway, oh, here it is. Are you ready for this? Fair. Yeah, go on. Now, I have to put a caveat on this. I think you're going to get this immediately. And I said this to Stuart and it's so weird. Now he lives on the Isle of Man. So it's, yeah. you know, you'd expect a seafaring style question. And this just yeah, spoke to my soul. You know, it, it, it's never happened in my life. I'm getting way off topic here. It's never happened in my life. You know, when you go into a, like movies, the meat cute, where you go in and someone goes, can I have a coleslaw sandwich without the coleslaw? And then you're like, oh my God, yeah. that's my favorite also. Like that's never happened that someone likes the, the small eclectic things that I like. So that's why Stuart sent this question in. And I was like, holy Jesus, this hits to both of us. Name, though, before we do this, seafaring novels. Name what set of books, tome that you read pretty much throughout the year. Oh, yeah. And I've been reading them since 2002. Patrick O'Brien's Matter and Aubrey series. If you haven't read yeah. them, you should. Because there's two types of people in the world. People that have read them and people who have yet to read them. <laughs> so if you're one of the ones that are yet to read them, please read them. I've been reading them on, like, seriously, all the time mm. along with other things obviously but there's always one of them being read and I think I've gone through I've worked it out I think I what did I say to you I think I've read them oh. through 38 times now yeah and like how many years so in the series 21 books 
So you've read mm. them? Yeah. 21 books. Yeah, so I've, a lot. I'd read them at least twice a year right through, mm. I think, is the way I worked it out. So I, I'm in the middle of it. I, mean, I think I'm on book 13 at the minute. So You see, we can amble at this stage of the podcast because people who've got bored already have just gone. Yeah, they've already knocked off. Yeah. So Patrick O'Brien, like I tried to read one of them once and it was like, oh, it knocks off the ab shaft. And I'm like, oh, see ya. And then I only got yeah. into them later because I realized that you you have to get blinded by the terminology yeah, yeah, for just, a while just, you do, just let it go over your head just read it through ignore yeah. it and eventually it'll start to sink in but then I got Man of War which is the special edition that he released with Master Commander yeah. I think and I got that and it has the sort of anatomy of a ship and then I printed out another one and I kind of get into it that way and then all of a sudden you you realise when he's talking about like the ship mast and you're like you know and uh, the royals and all this type of stuff you can kind of visualise it then and apparently he had a this is really getting off topic but he had you don't even know the question yet uh, he had a ship in his office a sort of a scale ship that he when he was writing his books he'd look to see the project trajectory stuff anyway so he again in that um, you know that's largely based on Lord Cochrane and that feeds in then to uh, Nelson so the question yep. is um, I don't want to give out no way by how I phrase this who was the captain of the Trafalgar or who was the captain Jesus of the HMS Victory at the Battle of Trafalgar that captain of the ship was Captain Thomas Hardy Jesus I thought I knew it you see I said to Stuart there's no way we're catching out on this one so I, I think he was hoping no because I mean I say... think people want to, what people tend to say is they tend to say uh, Nelson but Nelson wasn't because Nelson was the Admiral of the Fleet and an Admiral mm. of the Fleet most Admirals but especially the Admiral of the Fleet had to have a captain under him because the captain drove the ship or sailed the ship yeah. whilst the Admiral dealt with tactics and signalling to all the drive straight at him so, yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. Nelson's Don't mind, never mind the manoeuvres just go straight at him yeah. <laughs> love it so there you go any other possible questions particularly seafaring ones because also as Wicklow yeah. men I mean we have quite an affinity for the sea um, yeah. I still live on the sea I can actually lie in my bed looking out at the ocean um, nah, which up. is nice um, I can throw I can throw a stone into the Caribbean Sea from where I am yeah you can base, no, you can like spread I'd have your to legs. throw it really really hard <laughs> But you can do the splits and basically have a toe in each side. <laughs> what? How, how the Cayman Islands? What's it a mile wide? Is that right? No, it's yeah, it's about fourteen miles Is long it? or 20, 21 miles long and about eight miles wide. Eight miles wide. I, I thought at yeah. places it was a mile or something. I thought someone told me. Uh, it probably can be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably can probably be, yeah. true. That probably is so probably we, right. We, we build the best Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. Right. That's <laughs> big, big enough. Accurate enough. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, but right so from himself at Daryl J Brown from me at Steve Diddy NFL and as usual you can find me on Instagram and it is it's just oh it's as again as we say every yeah. week it's so racist, racist. Like, I mean it's the Paddy Packer you can't be saying that yeah, you, can't, you can't be saying that you can't be saying you can't have a handle like that lads no, you can't and of course follow the groups at UK Packers on Facebook and Instagram and get onto the YouTube and as well as I get onto Patreon because we're going to have some great prizes I'm going to have another March unboxing hopefully soon because I've dropped an almighty amount of troubling cash um, stateside nice. uh, trying to get stuff across. So I'll be doing that. Anyway, for this week, see you then. <laughs>